0: When people talk about leadership management stuff, it's not about what people say on LinkedIn, look how good I am, I've won an award. But it's the stuff that people never see is often the real magic. And that's the reason why I do what I do, because you can help positively impact people's lives.
1: this podcast Steve and I will be discussing leadership and management the need for transparency and a little bit about Steve's background and his lessons in business along the way. So welcome to the podcast Steve it's lovely to have you here with us how uh, are you doing today?
0: Uh, good thank you um, I must admit, I'm still a little bit so I had GB basketball training on Sunday and uh, when you train for hours and hours and hours then drive back it was in Nottingham this time because everyone comes from all across the country. I'm getting old now so I'm 40 but it's almost where you get physically tired and then you go into the working week where you get emotionally tired and mm-hmm. it's just, it's, uh, but no, good. Otherwise, health, happy, healthy, can't complain. Yeah,
1: well, you know, 40, I'm 40 as well. <laughs> so yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. You end up a little bit, I think with your executive functioning sometimes during the working week as well. And then like you say, physically tired on top. Yeah. yeah.
0: But the, the funny thing is for me is that with, um, a lot of people do different things to relax and a lot of people do exercise, they run, they do different things and almost when I play basketball it's a way to switch off Mm -hmm. because when you play at a decent level you can't think about anything else in the moment because you're just you're knackered you know you're running really hard so actually I use it as a way to relax even though you're physically tired I I think you need that uh, element of being able to switch off Mm -hmm. because I think almost everyone struggles in some ways with you always think about work I had a dream about work stuff last night and I think sometimes you just need that break to really help you kind of keep going I think
1: yeah definitely and obviously basketball is clearly not the only thing that you do you obviously have your working week do you want to explain a bit more about what you do in your typical working <laughs> week and also how roadmap mba comes into it as well
0: yeah sure um so my name is steve i i'm a chartered mechanical engineer um i split my time between consultancy where i help other people run their companies that's what pays most of my wages um i do that for a subsea energy business which i've been running for three and a half years now The new parent company, we actually sold that business in July, so I'm working for the parent company on a big global strategy for the energy sector. And then also I run a social impact startup called Roadmap MBA, which is bringing free business education to the world. And the whole point is we're looking to help support people that maybe don't have access to traditional forms of business education. A lot of people can't afford it if it's 20, 30 grand to go and learn a traditional MBA, but also you have working parents that don't have time, you have people that don't have academic qualifications, or you could be based in Kenya or different parts of the world, where actually you just, you don't have physical access to Durham-based universities, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so what we wanted to do is make business education accessible to 5 billion people, and that also includes a lot of work we do at charities, such as disabled charities to help uh, disabled entrepreneurs and their families who both uh, have often less money to buy professional courses but also the web accessibility in terms of subtitles and the way you can navigate the course we put a lot of time into trying to make business education accessible
1: oh, that's really interesting and i saw something about socks uh, on linkedin
0: so <laughs> the camera won't see it because I, that one will so actually, i have purple socks so we um support a charity called parallel lifestyles but it's all about purple sock day and what purple sock day is the third of december and it's there to help raise awareness on the international day of people with disabilities but also what the organization does that you can buy socks for six pounds they're really nice like bamboo high quality socks but all all of the profits goes to supporting disabled entrepreneurs neurodiverse entrepreneurs and their families to access. Uh, skills, training, support to help them just live, and yeah. grow businesses. And then as Revma Pembier, we offer them completely free stuff. Um, and then there's some other stuff in the pipeline to do with various different uh, Paralympic charities and uh, sports, which obviously goes back to my kind of background. But actually for us, it's the ability to uh, give back in many ways, because although we are a startup and we have big ambitious goals to help 5 billion people, the the social impact side and the community side is actually the real driver it's not about making money mm-hmm. so when we hear uh, good people doing good things smart i know that whom we work with it's almost we want to work with people like that so in the smart example to help women in that instance uh, gain confidence with interview clothing we would also offer free support in terms of business training education to help them with their own career or business as well
1: fabulous and so you've touched a little bit there on the social impact side of things for people that are not familiar with the social enterprise model can you explain a little bit more about how it operates differently to a typical sort of limited company
0: yep um so it's an interesting one mm-hmm. and it, so i run the business 100 percent on my own um so i do my consultancy stuff and i do that as a sole trader just for anyone that's interested in the mechanics of how i do it mm-hmm. ironically for roadmap mba we are there for a societal good and to help people gain access to stuff that they otherwise, for whatever reason, can't access what other providers provide. The one thing I always throw in, if you can afford to go to business school, do it. It's amazing. You'll have a great time. Mm-hmm. But it's for the people that can't. I did actually look at the other different types of status of entities. So you have, uh, we are a limited company. So we are Roadmap MBA Limited. Uh, but you have B Corporations, you have charities, you have lots of different things. But the irony is the governance and the things involved to set up, to operate as any of the other entities, cause there's so much more reporting to do. Ironically, I wouldn't, cause I do it all myself. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that. So it's almost where what we want to do, we just couldn't physically operate and then register as a charity and uh, you know, fundraise, then give out the money. Yeah. So what we choose to do and what I choose to do is run it as a 100% commercial operation Mm-hmm. which in theory, you actually have much less reporting to do as you run it as a normal business. I just happen to give everything away for free. Brilliant. Um, and the way that the kind of commercial stack up, because people always ask us, is that in a prime example, if you work for a professional services firm, an accountancy firm, or whoever, lots of people do professional training to help train up their team in business and sales and marketing and management. But the way that it works for the roadmap is that if you buy one course, that can actually help us donate five to ten the digital physical courses to people that can't afford it right so the idea is that if a company uh, trains up 20 of their team that can uh, fund hundreds of courses to people in the local community that you know can then learn grow and develop in a way that they never could access otherwise yeah so we run as a 100% limited company for profit we just don't make any profit yeah (laughs) and that that, some people might think that's crazy but for me it's you know I've Business education changed my life. It was that thing that when I I was raised by a single parent um, mum in Liverpool, she raised two boys. I went to university in Sheffield to study mechanical engineering, but this was 2002, so it was before the fees went up. Mm -hmm. And even at that point, there was a lot of, we almost couldn't go and didn't go because it was too expensive. Yeah nowadays fees are nine thousand pounds a year there's talk of them going up to twenty one thousand pounds a year but actually my undergrad education in engineering gave me the platform to really kind of build a career Mm -hmm. but then in many people's career as you go through it gets to the point where you start to be more exposed to business leadership executive staff strategy management but if you want to learn that properly because Ben Rand I think we grew up before youtube and that kind of thing it was really difficult to do so the the common approach is either to go to business school which Mm -hmm. can involve giving up work for a year or two years to go in and you know do it Mm full-time or you do a part-time course somewhere like the open university uh, which is it's a good option or you go to waterstones and read hundreds of books and all different topics and try and figure out yourself so that's the route i did because i couldn't afford any other route Mm -hmm. And then as I kind of went through and I, you know, I, I did quite well in my career um, and I actually, my dream growing up was to become managing director. And at 33, I did that for a company in Durham, in yeah. Sheldon. Um, but that kind of threw me into the deep end on profit and loss accounts and balance sheets and doing it for real. I knew I could do it and we did well. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to do was be able to give people a roadmap, give them the help, there's a, obviously a clue's in the name, yeah. but it's actually to give people the support that I never had. Mm. so as they go through their career completely for free they can learn all the stuff that took me a, a long time to learn um but actually it's all just real world practical stuff there's no fluff there's no exams there's nothing you can fail but hopefully it's that practical side to business education
1: so tell us a little bit more about roadmap mba in terms of what you get and whether there's this tiered system to that because obviously you give away yep. uh for free for those people that yep. can't afford to pay for it is yep. there a difference between the levels then
0: so there is, and this was a, as you can imagine, anyone that starts a business will have lots of uh, decisions to make about what you charge for, what you not charge for, mm-hmm. and then everyone's generally aware of like the freemium model. So mm-hmm. the example I always use is a language app called Duolingo. Mm-hmm. So that's a great app to learn languages. So Duolingo, ninety-six percent of their users use the free tier, and they have adverts, and then six ish percent uh then pay for the paid premium tier that doesn't have adverts Mm -hmm. what was really important to me especially with something like education is that i didn't want people from poorer backgrounds to get worse information than people that can afford to pay yeah that's just that that's like a that was a a deal breaker yeah it's
1: quite unethical to do that right
0: i but if you look at the existing system before roadmap Mm -hmm. that's how it works so unless you can afford to drop Ninety thousand pounds to go to London School of Economics, or pick university of your choice, or even most professional courses. That's still the case that essentially the system was set up where rich people. It's kind of set up where rich people stay rich, because you can access better information, better training, better courses, better networks. Mm. That actually, if you are a single parent working in ASDA, wanting to start a coffee startup or a trainer start or anything. It's very difficult for you to learn what to do. Mm. So I purposely, the, the free tier has the same information that the paid tiers have. And that was a, a deal breaker for, for me. We actually, in partnership with the Prince's Trust, recently launched the foundation course because the, the full Roadmap MBA course is, it's quite in depth. It's designed that anyone from 16 up can read it. But likewise, if you're already a director of a company, you're going to take different value from it. But we found actually you wanted a foundational level of support maybe for people that left school before 15, 16, just on the proper nuts and bolts of what is a business? Mm. How do you do pricing? How do you set up marketing? Because one of the other big issues that a lot of people face is that you have 99% of businesses in the UK are kind of SMEs. Mm. But a lot of people that set them up are self-taught. So one of the big things is that people just want confidence to go, Am I doing the right thing? Are there any other, other ideas of what I could do? Mm-hmm. But people always worried that if they ask a question, will people think that they're stupid and they should know it already? Yeah. So a lot of what we do is about just giving people confidence. In terms of the actual paid tiers, so we have a, an app which you can download on Android and iOS. Again, completely free. And that includes all of the content from the book, all the videos, all have subtitles, all the worksheets, everything you can get free anywhere in the world on the paid is essentially what you pay for is um group support one-to-one support mm-hmm. with the idea being that when we actually launched our minimum viable product because i actually wrote the book myself did all the graphic design had the first one printed and sent it out to customers to kind of get feedback which is what they say you should do one of the some of the feedback which came back was actually people wanted the ability to ask questions mm-hmm. and what that did actually it i twigged that almost all of the business education providers or even most education providers it's a broadcast model Mm -hmm. so they have a set curriculum and they basically fire it at you and your job is to process it write a report and pass your exam or not but people actually wanted to know in business well that's interesting but how do i use that for my thing right so what we did is that we set up live classroom sessions four times a week plus the podcast and stuff in our studio like this where basically people can dial in on zoom and say you know how do i do this can you explain that to me so basically with the paid tier people can get more support mm-hmm. which at circa 300 pounds a year for a business owner it's much better than paying someone 300 pounds an hour to help mentor them and coach them you know, from a good business coach but actually it's that two-way support and then we also do a lot in terms of carbon offset and all of the paid tiers gift and pay for all of the free stuff as well fabulous um, and we have books and other stuff
1: so. excellent so in terms of your pride like proudest moment obviously i know is it 54 countries that you're in now 56 56 now wow okay so obviously it's doing really well what's been the proudest moment so far
0: so i one of the things that i always try and do with the podcasts and live streams and stuff that we do do is always be honest about the the journey because it's always easy to get caught up in like vanity metrics Mm -hmm. And it was funny that whenever anyone starts any business, you want to get to a point where people see you as being credible, it's a good option that they can trust what you're doing. So one of the things when I first kind of set up was that I would reach out to people on LinkedIn. And a lot of what you do when you do consumer research is to actually ask for feedback from people from different backgrounds. And so I did a lot of customer research where people, that's how we quickly got to the 56 countries. But actually, you know, in some ways that was a vanity metric that what, a more proud moment is then when you actually help those people go through experiences. Mm-hmm. And it was only two weeks ago, I had a guy knock on my door in the co-working space where my office is. And he basically said to me that he quit his job and wanted to start a business. Oh, amazing. Like, it's brave. Yeah. And But on the, the flip side is that one of, um, so I'm based in Team Valley in the mm-hmm. northeast of England. And one of our local businesses, that it's a food place that we go to most lunchtimes, shut down two days ago. and the reason why i like to talk about this kind of stuff is because on linkedin especially nobody ever talks about the hard stuff they always talk about look how great i am Mm. when actually when you can support people through the genuinely tough times and do stuff for real and help people just get confidence and have successes Mm. it actually is quite fulfilling for me because i I, i'm not doing this to make money It's, it's just it's about giving back and supporting people in a way that i got support as i went through my kind of career And it's just seeing people go and thrive. And even though it was a a paid consultancy gig, when we sold uh, Subsea Energy Solutions in July, um, that was, you know, we took that company from some, you know, difficult times, all the way through to a successful exit to a 250 million euro big international group. Um, It was quite a proud moment because then it's when you're really immersed into uh, a business for real, and i think that was the other thing that i always love to do is that as a mechanical engineer you know what someone once said to me about how on on the internet you get a lot of influences Mm. and you get people that don't necessarily know what they're talking about but they just shout the loudest and they got a lot of profile but as an engineer it's all about trust and credibility and you you prove your evidence through doing Mm. and that builds your influence not the other way around and so for me, when I, I do my day job to do corporate strategy for real companies, but do it for real, that's almost you know the big driver for, for me. But actually in terms of kind of proudest moment ever, it was something we spoke about previously, but it was almost when I was running a, a manufacturing business in Children in Durham. And it was the, you as managing director, you're responsible for the team, the business, the profit that you return to shareholders or the owners the health and safety of everyone and you are like the parent it's your job to make the whole thing work livelihoods culture attitude everything and one of the big things that you really see the more experienced you are and the more people you kind of more companies you work with is there are different ways that you can demonstrate leadership in an organization Mm -hmm. and there's different styles and one is not necessarily right or wrong they're just different So for instance, prime example, so a lot of American firms, it's not to bash in America, but they're very cutthroat. The labor laws in America are very different to in Europe Mm. or in England. So they often, if they have a slight downturn in work, they will cut overhead and sack people. Right. As we're actually, I don't like that model. For me, it's about building a culture. I don't want to say building a family, but it's how, it's behind closed doors. It's the decisions that you can make, which can really help a company thrive or grow or the opposite and it's some people will say you should only care about the profit and return and in interest to the owners and shareholders mm. but for me it's also about the the community side the team the staff and looking after them equally and then almost using that to decide the right path to yeah to go down.
1: and you're getting a lot more of that in terms of the esg agenda now and yeah. b corpse and, and what have you as well so mm-hmm that um moment that you talked about uh, that you shared with me before mm-hmm. could you share that with us again because i think that was a really powerful moment that you talked about
0: yeah cool so in the company i worked with in children you had uh, a manufacturing business that had three different arms of the business but you had the owners you had the management team which obviously i was part of as md and then we had three separate businesses within the businesses you had some people on minimum wage. And essentially, one of the things that we really wanted to do when I came in was build the communication and the trust between the different teams, different links, that kind of thing. So what's common in oil and gas is you have something called company town halls, where basically once a month you get everyone together, talk about what you're doing, how the company's performing, what I'm up to and making myself accountable to those different people. Mm -hmm. But then also it's, it's a chance for people to ask questions and hopefully have them feel involved in the business, if that makes sense. And, and then when you do that and the more communities that you get involved in, different people have different backgrounds and different challenges that they face. So we had people that would have property repossessed and you know, they had financial problems and some of them lived in rough areas where maybe there was some more like crime-based mm-hmm. things. And the story I shared was that we had a guy who worked in one of our businesses. Uh, he was arrested for something he was accused of um and he was actually held on remand for six months. He was later found innocent. I'm just gonna throw that out right at the start of this story for people. Yep. But what was interesting from a like a leadership point of view was that you instantly have the decision, do you sack the person? Because you mm-hmm. can. Or end their employment, or however you want to phrase it, because they're they're not performing their function because they're locked up. Yeah. So the question is that was the first decision. We were like, no, no, we believe that the guy is probably innocent. He's a nice guy so we kept his job and then fast forward about two months later uh, his sister wrote to me and basically said look he's got a court date would you write a letter of support to say that if he's released that he'll have a job I was like yeah of course i can some people might not do that because mm-hmm. you know they might think are you opening yourself up to risk or lots of there's loads of reasons why people might just not, not want to get involved but then fast forward um still he had his court call- case court date he was found innocent so he was released but actually in the six months that he was in prison, um, he had a really horrible time. There was lots of stuff that I will not describe, but it was a, you know, there was some violence in the prison that he was a bit of a, he was in shell shock in some ways. That being around a busy, working, loud environment that still had his workplace knives and blades and stuff, that you could tell he wasn't comfortable. And this was near Christmas one mm-hmm. year. And basically what had happened is that because we kept him employed, He'd actually kept a a crowing holiday during that time, and I remember I said to him because you know he was still kind of adjusting back to work, that I said to him, "Look well, actually you know we're kind of two weeks before Christmas. you've got two weeks' holiday to use before Christmas. Do you want some time off?" And he kind of admitted to me that he didn't have any money to buy his kids. He had two little girls uh, Christmas presents, mm. and it kind of hit me because you know we we all know the struggles that different people struggle with in terms of mental health and just life in general. Mm. And at that point, we had a decision. And I remember I went to speak to our finance manager, Brian, because there was a decision on either we just forced him to take the holiday or whichever, or we could actually pay him the cash for the holiday pay for the, the crew during that time. And what that meant, he got a few hundred pounds, which he could buy his daughter's Christmas presents. Yeah. So that's the route that we went down. But the point of sharing the story is that you can imagine for him how his life, he's had a really crappy year, if he feels that he can't buy his kids' presents, you know, we could take it to for the worst. But actually, as a, you know, leader in a business, you get the chance to make those decisions mm-hmm. that, you know, people might see it now, but it's almost where you, you don't tell anyone, you just obviously respect to finance, but you can really impact people's lives and their families in a way that people never know. And even in one of my current businesses now, two, three weeks ago, we had a bit of a slowdown in work. And it's that decision on, do you keep me, you know, we had some temporary labor. Do you keep them employed or do you reduce cost and do what some management textbooks would tell you to do? But we know that that guy in particular is the old, he's the sole breadwinner's family. Mm-hmm. So we decided to keep him on and we're going to offer him a payment contract. But it, the point is, it's when people talk about leadership management stuff, it's not about what people say on LinkedIn look how good I am, I've won an award. Mm-hmm. It's about behind closed doors the decisions, if you can make them. Because certain businesses, you will be in a position where you have to cut costs to save the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But it's the stuff that people never see is often the real magic, if that makes sense. And that's the reason why I do what I do because you can help positively impact people's lives in a way that you can't do in other areas.
1: Yeah, and kind of thinking as well, I think you know when you consider the the ripple effect of that decision that you made, as you Mm -hmm. say, you could potentially have saved that person's life. Yeah, um, but also that that kindness that you showed, hopefully make them more loyal to the company, and um, potentially go off and do something good because you know they've had some kindness shown to them. There's just ripple effects, isn't there, all the time? Well,
0: hopefully, because that's the thing as well as that. With every company goes through tough times, mm. and it, yeah, a lot of people I know struggle with. Um, you know, if you're the boss, it's it's you know you you a lot of people worry about paying people's wages, and you. you you're trying to figure that puzzle out on your own as well. One of the best things you can often do with your management team or your staff is basically say, look, this is the the challenge. Mm. How do you think we should solve it, you know, and get people's ideas, get their engagement. And then what you can really do through doing that is actually you want to solve the problem together. That in the oil and gas downturn in 2014, I was eventually made redundant with, but I went through that kind of period as lots of people did. There was almost an industry-wide people accepted to take a significant pay cut, 10-20%, mm. but it meant that everyone kept their job. Right. But the doing that as a, as a group to decide the outcome often keeps everyone engaged. Mm-hmm. As where well, if management on their own just decides to enforce the 20% pay cut, then even though the output and the action is the same, the process is different. Yeah. And one of the big things that I always try and learn from is that just as you go through different times in your career, even from when my first ever job was in a supermarket, but you learn stuff from different jobs that then later on in your career, when it's your chance to actually make that decision, you can always call on stuff that you've done before. And often your gut feel is often kind of right.
1: Yeah. And so you've talked before about being in the arena and it seems that that's something that's very important to you in terms of how you've developed roadmap MBA as well is that something that you see a lot of business leaders maybe not so experienced do you see a lot of mistakes that they make along the line
0: it's it's a hard one because you unless you're in someone's shoes Mm. and you know you can only make a decision based on the information you have at the time Mm. And often it's one of those things that it comes with experience is experience. Yeah. So and one of the things that often gets me is that when when I left university in my undergrad, I was running, around to go. I thought, you know, the, the example because I've given talks in universities before is that you ha- you've you got all of this horsepower. You've got this process and power for how, you know, you've got often, it's often smart people, but you think you're really clever and you are really clever, but actually you don't know how to play the game yet Mm -hmm. and what you do with experience is you get stuff forced upon you uh, sometimes by choice sometimes not but actually what that does it gives you data points to figure out how to navigate the world Mm. and it's often um, you know I think one of the biggest values people can get is the fact that people will always come across challenges that they haven't experienced before and that's just that's going to happen to me in the future it's going to happen to you it's going to happen to everyone but it's almost it's then the network to find someone you like and trust who's probably seen it before and then you can say to them look I've got this problem it could be a legal problem it could be a an employment law problem or uh, in a lot of cases it's um, it's it, it's nice in some ways but because people know I'm quite good at this stuff. People always approach me with their business problems. Okay. And because one of the big things that business leaders often have is that they don't want to admit to their team that maybe they're worried or they're struggling mm. because they're worried about spooking the horse. And if people get worried, we'll let them leave. There's actually just having someone that you can bounce stuff off and then pick their brains. It's just someone completely independent. People often like that. So as part of the roadmap, that's something that paid tiers is kind of get. Mm. Um, But just on a human point of view, you know, I often like the people I work with, but it's that uh, element that we will always come across stuff that you've never done before. Yeah. And prime example, one of my big ones is helping companies to float on the stock market. Mm. I've done it a few times now, I've been through that process that actually, if someone's looking through it again, that's one of the gigs I'm doing now, but it's just, There was a point where I'd never done that before. I didn't know anything to do with um, creating the the idea. And then even with startups, so with the roadmap, I know a lot about business. I don't necessarily know a huge amount about education. Mm. I've read books, but there's a big difference between reading books and then actually teaching. You know, there's a piece there, but even like fundraising and the startup ecosystem, I don't necessarily know much about that. So I'm on a uh, startup accelerator at the moment to help fit in those jigsaw Puzzle pieces on stuff that I don't know. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's that element, but you only get that through talking to people, being honest, being vulnerable, and then actually using people's advice and guidance and stuff. You do sometimes get really bad advice, but often you can tell. And my big one as well is that when I said before about how I often like to talk about real challenges that real people go through. Mm-hmm. So the example of a post I put on LinkedIn yesterday was through the local business closing. You always get someone jump on the post to try and sell their stuff based on, you know, and I think there's there's a way and a, there's an etiquette to do business, but it's more about the people side to it, the human side to yeah. it, that I think some people miss, but again, it's just personal choice.
1: Mm. And so one of the conversations we have been having before was about keeping it real, and you mentioned that at the top sort of fairly early on in this conversation around, you know you get a lot of people on LinkedIn pretending that everything's great and I know it's something you're quite passionate about mm-hmm. is trying to be a little bit more real. How can leaders be more real and show up and be more vulnerable?
0: I, I, I think only do something that you're comfortable with mm. because it, to me it's kind of authentic so this is what I this is how I am but that's not for everyone so it's you know you should never try and force a different animal to do something that isn't right for them because it's just it's not the right approach the whole linkedin thing was that i was actually on holiday in spain about three weeks ago now and i was just fed up with 20 somethings telling people how you should 10x their program and do all this stuff and how you're doing crap if you didn't do this this and this and i just wanted to make the point and say look i'm really good at this mm. i know more than most I know all the theory, I'm driven, I'm young, I'm healthy. And even I go through tough times where you're like, is it worth it? And the point was, it was just making the point to say, look, I know for a fact that a huge proportion of people will feel the same. Mm-hmm. Behind closed doors, they might run a small marketing company, they could do podcasts, they could do anything. And when sales aren't coming in, the the law of Indeed or you know, the, that job board when they can see you could keep going on this really hard path that they want to do, but it's just not working to run that money, whichever. And there's that temptation, and people say this to me all the time to get a job again. Mm. But often they feel that it's just them. And they feel that it's just them. And why is everyone else so successful and not me? Is because that's all they see. Mm-hmm. And my big point was okay, I do podcasts and live streams, and people might see me here, but I still feel exactly the same. And it was that element of just um, you know, that was just that I chose to do, but I think it's relevant that from an engineering and manufacturing background, if that's not your thing, there's a there's a way and a means to do it because what was the, there was a meme last year and it was a guy who had made nine hundred of his staff redundant, mm-hmm. but why his post went viral on LinkedIn is because he chose to take a selfie of himself crying, and say i'm so upset i've had to do this but he turned a hard, you know a tough decision but he made it about him mm-hmm. so it was almost fake vulnerability right as in he wanted to do it for the attention mm-hmm. that's bad yeah and that's where the nuance comes on it's whatever's authentic does that make sense yeah and that's a really hard one to put down to um and it it it's it's difficult because you have a lot of people talk about mental health but again there's different shades and uh themes and different things around mental health Mm -hmm. that everyone has different lived experience and journeys and backgrounds that often the best thing you can do is just listen yeah and just maybe because you might be more resilient than someone else or vice versa doesn't diminish anyone's experience Mm. but it's it's just it's a really difficult one to judge that it's the, the, the classic thing for business especially is that people will often hire you or whoever because they like you and they trust you and they buy into what you're all about. Mm. There'll be someone else that does the same thing, but they don't like them, they like you. As long as you're authentically yourself, some people are like it, some people won't. But the people that do like it will hire you and do that. As soon as you try and pretend to be something else that you're not, you're going to lose everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you get some um i interviewed someone once and i won't say who it was and he was like i don't care about employee culture it's about making profit and doing this and if people come in they work hard and we reward them with cash that's great for him and there's great people that will want to do that mm-hmm. and for them that's great and that's where at least he's being authentic to himself yeah and that's the the trick is just if you are the job hunter or looking to hire someone or vice versa it's, it's the moral values that sit behind the people that you might have to bleep this out, but it's almost, I, I call it my bullshit meter. Yeah. Is that when you, um, you look someone in the eye and you either trust them or you don't. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me, the acid test on the relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, like you say, there is a lot about actually being able to look somebody in the eye, isn't there? It's been lost a lot. I do find this a bit
0: weird because normally I do it on Zoom, so it's a bit more detached. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah.
1: but yeah, I mean, as you say, just uh, digital sort of ways of meeting. Um, I think that's been, been quite a change mm. for a lot of people, hasn't it? So when you get those moments of feeling alone with these sense, sense of, oh, you know, I can't do this and mm-hmm. everybody else is doing really well. What do you say to somebody when they hit that moment? What's worked for you?
0: Well, in theory, you shouldn't say anything. You just listen.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Because that—that's the big thing. Is that mm-hmm. everyone in different coaching manuals, you want to help the person guide themselves. Yes. Back to it. You can, as a mentor, share lived experience and things that you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, everyone's in a different position. That it's you know, the one thing I would say is just do whatever right for you. So for instance, if you started a micro business and you do it for two years or a year, it's not quite working out and you want to get a job, get a job. Yeah. Don't even second guess it. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. If it's right for you to get a job, get a job. Yeah. And I think a lot of people worry about what other people think. Mm. And I remember this, that when... My last full-time paid employed job was for a company called Techmar that we've on the stock market. So I chose to leave them in, it was like the June of 2019. Mm. And I was on three month notice period. And I knew, and what I was worried about it was that when my LinkedIn got to September 29 into October, it would have gone from employed to unemployed or just nothing, does mm. so that make sense? And I was worried about what are people are gonna think, is it gonna impact me? And I decided to work for myself. but that's nonsense i'm good at my job i'm good at stuff but it's that fear of the world mm. is often what people worry most about where actually if just having talks like this you can defuse that bomb it actually hopefully makes people think you know what it's not that bad i'm not worried about it um and that's part of the reason why i like to share some of the challenges and stuff that i've had just because you know nobody's perfect
1: mm. and so picking up there on challenges obviously you've had quite a few um, during during your career in general mm-hmm. terms. Is there anything from Roadmap MBA that you've felt particularly challenging that you've really learned from?
0: I'll give you a practical one. Mm-hmm. What I don't want to do is just give a, a random example. It doesn't help anyone. <laughs> okay. So for anyone that launches a business or has a product or a service, the biggest challenge you have is actually having anyone take notice. Why mm-hmm. should people care? So one of the big things that I wanted to do early on is that if people knew it was one guy on his own, part-time, trying to tackle this huge problem, they'd think I was mad. They would never pay any attention or credibility or anything because it's bonkers. So I purposely both phrased it as a startup because people picture in their head, what startups take on big stupid problems? So anyway, but then it was the messaging around, I, I spent a lot of time to really think, I knew in my heart what I wanted to achieve. But it was then how to articulate that so that when you have a whole environment of people, competitors selling something similar, business education, it's that point of difference to say, look, we you can still pay for our course, but actually our mission is this. We're looking to help people. You can access it for free. And actually just, it's called Blue Ocean Strategy, but when you can really understand how and why you're different to everyone else and really crack that, it, what that does, the better you do it. It really helps you understand the business theory behind why you're different as well. That you can, that gives you the strategic point to play off, if that makes sense. But then separate to that, once you've kind of got that ready and what people combine it, you know, it's very obvious how people can buy your service or hire your service. Then you need to tell people. And this is where, for me, I started the podcast and live streams. And But the real trick that I found is that because there's a reason why we live broadcast. It's because if you pre-record video and then post it onto social, it goes organically into the feed, same as it, all other the content. I mean, that's great. Definitely do that if you can. But when you actually learn to live stream, everyone within your network gets a little push notification. Mm. So it says, you is live. And then what that does, it's that little reminder for me to 20,000 people still here yeah trying to do my thing please someone but it's a way to just get noticed if Mm. that makes sense and the the trick around content as well is that it's just find something that you're actually passionate about so I love talking to people I probably talk too much but regardless but actually what that did when I interviewed the people you get to share their story which I'm interested in but actually it gives me content that I can do once a week Mm. that actually it's tough trying to come up with unique content on your own week after week yeah but when I kind of cracked that what it allowed me to do is just people now kind of know me as the roadmap guy and to do that thing but I would never have that if I hadn't have started nobody nobody taught me to do that it was just in the pandemic yeah Um, but that would be more one tip is learn how to find and create content that you enjoy doing do stuff that you would do for free Mm -hmm. and if you can Learn to live stream it just because then you can hit millions of people around the world on YouTube and Instagram and everything else in a way that you can't if you just stick to your local network.
1: Yeah, brilliant. So I want to take you back on to a little bit about leadership then and how it's changing. You talked earlier a little bit about making the decisions behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and we talked a bit about the, trans- uh, the town hall. Um, I know you feel that transparency is very important, isn't it? Could you speak about that a little bit more about why transparency is so important for leadership?
0: I think it's funny that when there's lots of different theories on this, because people often say that the CEO's job or the MD's job isn't actually to do anything. Mm -hmm. Your job is to get the best out of other people. Because if you have a business with 200 people, you're one person the whole, the 199 are the ones that actually speak to the customers, make the mm-hmm. stuff. So when you then think about your, your job is to solve problems and make the work environment better for everyone else. Mm-hmm. But the way that you often do that is through building relationships with people where actually you get to know them, what are you dealing with, what are you struggling with? And actually then it's how, if people feel supported, liked and trusted, we all know that if you do a normal eight, 12 hour day, people can slack off then go home early they can waste a lot of time just if they if there's nothing worse than working somewhere that you don't enjoy yeah you don't feel welcome or safe you pe- think people are behind your back and there's as a leader and a manager you can diffuse all that poison in the, in the workplace and it's that element for me the transparency that people often also forget that leaders and managers and CEOs are still people mm. they still have normal people problems that actually building those links, but that includes treating people with respect on the shop floor all the way through, mm-hmm. that you build trust through doing that. And one of the big things I was always really keen to do when I took the job in children was that the traditional approach was that you have the MD, CEO, leaders, and they just tell people what they want to do. But to actually go and spend time with people, because I've worked in minimum wage jobs when I was a student and stuff, but to actually spend time with them, listen to them, make them feel valued, that you know their name, that you know about their family and their kids and they've got a baby on the way, it just makes people hopefully want to stay but work a little bit harder, look out for their teammates. And it's almost, for me, it, you demonstrate the the values that you want everyone else to do but you have to live it yourself. Mm. So even um, as a director of the subsea business, I still wash the dishes if I'm waiting for the cattle to, but it's, you know, you pick up the litter, you do anything that needs doing so that hopefully what you're trying to do is instill within the wider team. That's the kind of behavior that will, you know, get you noticed. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But not everyone wants to do that, likes to do that. That's just my own personal style. Mm -hmm. But then likewise, if you don't want to hire that, just hire someone else. Yeah. that make sense yeah but but it it then comes down to whatever is authentic to to you Mm -hmm. Um, and for me it's that it transparency and trust are very similar that we've we've all been in conversations where you're talking to someone and you just feel that they're holding back they know something Mm. but they're not just being honest with you i don't do that that's my approach
1: and so is that a trend that you're seeing more generally in leadership and management what are you seeing emerging in that field that people can learn from
0: see it's a funny one because i think the i'll be honest i think it's gone too far okay in what way so in not so much so there was a whole trend on esg and leadership and transparency and flexibility and things but actually it's almost got to a point where people now in many ways in their jobs that there's a lot of people now that want to get The most they can from the employer, but to the point where you almost still need to remember that the business still needs to make money. If Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. But the point being is that I know loads of companies that tried four day weeks and different things, not because they thought it was actually the right thing for the business, just because they kind of wanted to jump on the trend and say that they'd done it, and they've since gone back. But that again comes down to where it depends on the business, what you do, the kind of people that you work with. That in one of our companies we have different. I don't say different rules, but for instance, if someone has kids, we're a lot more flexible on time to so drop them off, pick them up from school, versus people that don't have kids. But it's almost then, it's it's uh, there's different uh, categories, and there's something called job crafting, if you've ever heard of it, mm-hmm. which is about how you find the best roles for the best people to get the most out of everyone, the bits that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. But it's on a, a needs-based and a role-based thing rather than a blanket approach so i know that's a rubbish answer (laughs) but it was just the element of where the i i just there was a a big buzz around um i say transparency esg doing all of the really nice stuff Mm. but it, it it still needs to go it needs to work commercially because that if the entity doesn't work and doesn't make money then you can't keep everyone employed yeah and i think that's it's it's not a a very good answer, but it's almost the, the. It in an ideal world, you balance the culture with the commercials, mm-hmm. so the business still makes money uh, with everything else, so that actually you can get a really good thriving workplace where people love to work, they love to come in, mm-hmm. they feel part of a team. The business actually makes a profit because that's the one thing is that you know the uh, UK minimum wage is going to go up again in April, and I I know that that's going to affect a lot of SMEs because they physically can't afford to pay it. Right. And it's how, for the, going back to the leaders again, that will be something they worry about. Mm. And this is where you need to just talk to people and build your network. And it's this uh, never-ending iterative cycle that will always keep going.
1: Yeah, building wisdom, isn't it, through experience, yeah. yeah.
0: But as long as, you know, the, the mistake would be if people don't talk to people. You know, right. they, they keep things bottled up, they worry about things, that the pressure gets to them. And they just don't talk to people and find ways to solve the problem. Mm. Because actually the more they can do that, it's a problem shared as a problem halved. Yeah. That actually that for me would be the mistake. But actually you can learn from who's done what and how did that work? Did that work for you? We tried this. And I think, you know, you'll have the best end result because because of that.
1: Yeah, brilliant. So just to, I guess, sort of wrap up really a little bit more on... What you're working on at the moment, where you're heading in the future, what's going to be the most exciting stuff for you in the next twelve months? What you're looking forward to most?
0: Ooh, um, so there's loads of big corporate stuff that we're doing, which mm-hmm. I can't talk about, but that's really exciting. Um, for the roadmap, we're doing lots of really cool stuff with charities. Mm-hmm. So you have got Purple Sock Day on the third of December. Uh, hopefully, doing more stuff with the Princess Trust. And actually, one of the challenges that we faced is we're trying to reach out to to partner with good organizations that are doing cool stuff, they're helping people, and we want to give them free access to stuff. And that's what we want to do more. But ironically for the business, we have realized that as a single person, it's a small business, we can't grow to the scale that we want to on our own. Mm. So one of the things that we're looking to is to partner with organizations that have an existing network user base and different things and maybe don't currently offer business education, but could. In a way that the if we have the genuine mission to hit five billion people at least make business education accessible to them mm-hmm. we in in theory we already have that because more than half the world's population lives off six dollars a day so the fact that they can learn for free provided they've got a smartphone or a laptop that sounds counterintuitive but eighty seven percent of the world's population does have a smartphone so okay. but it's that element of where. For me, it's about the the social goal. It's not the commercial goal. But I know that the I need a, a different uh, rocket ship. I need a different vehicle to get to that point. Mm. And I haven't figured out what that is yet. So half the fun for me is figuring it out and going on that journey. But actually, that's just the honest answer that I could have lied and said, oh, no, it's fantastic. We're going to do this, this and this. But then that goes against the last hour of the conversation. And it's almost the... We, we have big ambitions. We want to help good people. We want to help people, you know, make that next step in their business or career. And it's then just however we best,
1: mm. best do that. And so if there is somebody that could help with mm. that, how would they get in touch with you? And what are the next steps?
0: If you uh, look at roadmapmba.com, that's our website. It's at roadmapmba on all the socials. And also you can apply for a free, a free course at guest list at roadmapmba.com. Great. Or hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll sort you out
1: excellent brilliant thank you so much steve thank you. so i think in terms of uh, next steps then you can go to roadmap mba as mm-hmm. steve says uh, we've also got a range of content on umi uh so that you can go to uh, weareumicouk uk forward slash sat and of course steve will be happy to provide you with more details about his course as well so thank you very much yeah
0: thank you